Well, welcome everyone to a new sort of experiment that we are going to try on this one. We're going to call them the mini pod. I was going to call it the COVID cast, but I thought that that was a little bit insensitive. I liked the name, but we'll run with one or the other. I can always Yikes. edit them out, but yeah. <laughs> well, we are going to have some shorter episodes here talking about some movies that maybe don't make the cut for our full-on episodes. And this time around, we are going to talk about the subject of what has become our, our reaction segment to our movies, which is High Fidelity. Brief synopsis, if you haven't seen High Fidelity, you should check it out. Yep, It is very good. And it centers around Rob, and he is a record store owner in Chicago. And he has ended a relationship where his relationship has ended with Laura and he just sort of sulks through a lot of the movie. He and Laura are over. He runs through his ex-girlfriends, talks a lot to the camera and that's about it. It's an experiential crisis and an existential crisis for him of, oh boy, what's next? What have I learned? Yeah. What can I do with this? It's like a midlife crisis for, I think he probably would have been like a 30-something year old. Yeah, it seems like it. Sure. So there we go. Yep. As a note, Tim and I watched this movie separate. And so the assignment on 20 Years, 4 Beers is that it's 20 years, but then the four beers are two each. Yeah. So I drank two while I was watching the movie, minimum. And Tim... <laughs> drank two while watching the movie did, and that's yes. what we're going to discuss so tim your two drinking buddies well i for took this were what i took the preface of or the premise around top five from sure, high fidelity what would that be like and so thinking through what are the top five breweries in the u.s that I would really <laughs> just put everything around i love them so much so okay. it feels in some way sacrilegious or as homer simpson would say sacrilegious sure of moving beyond the Twin Cities area that we reside in. But uh, the two breweries I chose were Stone and Modern Times Ooh. from lovely San Diego. Thanks, Andre and Stefan. Thank you. Uh, and I went with, actually had a standard IPA from Stone, one of the first kind of West Coast IPA beers that I remember being like, whoo, boy, this would be great. And then the last... Modern times that we had from when Andre and Stefan came out to visit us in September, uh, there's Spaceways Hazy mm. IPA. So those are the two beers that I enjoyed while I watched High Fidelity. Well, what did you think of them? Uh, we'll Stone, rate them. It's uh, I think it was like a four point two five or something like that. It's just a great solid IPA. It's a standard in my which one was fridge. That? Just, just a Stone flagship IPA, IPA right? Yep. Okay. So good. Uh, and then Spaceways, uh, I think it was four. Stars, uh, or stars, what the hell? <laughs> Let's cut it up. Uh, I think it was four that I gave it yeah. for that. Just a nice, hazy IPA um, to the point where I watched the movie with uh, my wife and she had a sip of stone. She goes, what is this? <laughs> I want this. So I had to get more from the store. So yeah, huh. that was uh, our, my staple. Yes. What'd you One have? of mine I guarantee you've had, which is Fulton's Sweet Child of Vine. Oh, yeah. Which, again, we've had Fulton. Standard. We had Spectre, I think. Um, Last last time yep and fulton's a good standard for anything in minnesota and that yeah along the lines of stone it's a great standard regular good ipa yep like not too piney not too sweet it's really good i gave that a four out of five as well and the other one is from bad habit beer 
and in St. Joseph, Minnesota, was the Peach Cobbler Milkshake IPA. Wow. That sounds like a lot. Yeah, and it was really good. Really? Yeah, it was a crawler, and I wish we would have shared it, (laughs) because I ended up not finishing the whole thing, which I hate doing. It's a lot. Right. But it is, it's it's peach, and then I think they even had graham cracker in it, and lactose, Mm. and it was... It was crazy good. It was so good. But I was just like, oh, man, I don't think I can. I don't think I can have this whole thing. Sure. It just was a little much. But I did give it a four out of five, not just because I love Bad Habit, but it was really good. Um, anytime you have a cobbler beer um, or like a pie beer or like some bakery beer, yep. when you can get the graham cracker or the crust kind of flavor come out, yep. that's really impressive to me. So it was really good. So I had the uh, Bad Habits Peach Cobbler Milkshake IPA along with oh, I missed out on that. Yeah. Well, Next time. Well, you weren't there. <laughs> um, right. So as mentioned, we not only did we watch High Fidelity, our High Fidelity segment is kind of our the crux of what we have going here. And so we are going to do our top five takeaways, but as a mixture of our segments. Yep. So Tim, your first review, and you can kind of elaborate on it a little bit based on the movie but what do you have so a combination of social network we used to do with the review and then a top thought that i had was uh our big man roger ebert mm-hmm. gave this four stars mm-hmm. so the film has no deep significance does not grow exercised over stupid plot points savors the rhythms of these lives sees how pop music is a soundtrack for everyone's autobiography and causes us to leave the theater quite unreasonably happy. Mm-hmm. And man, that was a perfect encapsulation. I watched this and I have not seen it in a good 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. probably. Uh, I always remember it being a great kind of honest take on the romantic comedy genre. And yeah, I think that was a perfect encapsulation because I remember watching or seeing before in college having similar kind of existential, oh boy, what does it all mean type of feelings. But watching <laughs> it now, um, just having characters that feel realistic, they're flawed, they have honest conversations with each other. Um, yeah, it just was a, a great differentiator for this type of movie where I felt like I could walk into this record store and actually see these people, which is a different take than I see in most romantic comedy movies where it feels like there's a... Uh, caricature or exaggeration type of thing so i'm just gonna show you which which review i chose ebert and which part of that review did i choose it's the exact same detail exact same dang detail so but i did have a backup which was uh new york times also said and the better we get to know rob which is played by john cusack the clearer it becomes that far from being a sad sack loser at love with a lifelong pattern of being dumped he tilts more toward being a sneaky, commitment-phobic womanizer. When he finally tells us why Laura left him, the reasons are offered as another witty list. The behavior he owns up to with a disarming casualness isn't simply bad, it's appallingly insensitive. And I meant, and I, I love that because I was like, it's 100% right. Yes. And it also, if you just were to read that, you'd be like, oh my god. Rob's a dick. Sign me up. I want to watch yeah, that. It's not the review you want, but it's right. It's 100% right. So I, I did think, um, I agree with you on Ebert. I thought that was a great encapsulation of the yeah. the whole movie as a feeling. Yes. Whereas then New York Times was kind of like a little more literal. They actually did enjoy it. 
but I did think it was a little more literal probably than that. It's funny you mention that because <laughs> the other thought I had while watching it, and I watched it with my wife, and Aww. over and over, she would look at me and go, Rob's an asshole. Yeah. Just over and over being like, he is an a-hole. Like, yeah. She was like, what is this about? And yeah, right. the, the review talking about... What's my first point written on this sheet? Main thing I remember is, Rob is an asshole. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's what I think I love about this movie, is yeah. that it's not like a Shining Armor, typical type of, like, I guess this idea of romantic comedy. It's like, mm-hmm. no, he's unredeeming in so many ways. Yeah. Yes. When the reveal comes out, reveal... It comes out like what happened while the breakup is like, oh my god, <laughs> you are a piece of crap, man. So yeah, I remember it was so great watching it with and and, and my wife loves this movie. She right. really enjoys it. But it's also thinking like, oh my god, what a jerk. So what was your was what was your top takeaway after um, the reviews? I your think high fidelity of high fidelity. The top one I have is romantic comedies. We've talked a little bit in previous episodes around like they're so much fun. I, I enjoy them for what they are. But they're so often centered around a structure of a lie mm-hmm. being built. And then that's spin plates for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. The protagonist is sustaining as long as possible until all the spinning plates come down. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh my gosh, this huge reveal of what happened. And then somehow the love interest sees past all these... Efforts of like subterfuge and machinations to see the good in that person <laughs> and then be like, oh, you know what? I think you're still worth the effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are fine. You enjoy them for what they are. Mm-hmm. But watching this again, it I think those pale in comparison so much to a movie like High Fidelity where it's just honest with everyone and works through what I like to think of the muck mm-hmm. of human experience. Sure. All the characters have flaws good things and they're just honest and deeply human that i think resonates really well that i walked away from watching and be like Mm. man i I was not expecting it to be that enjoyable seeing how terrible some of these people are especially rob yeah Uh, but he has redeeming qualities as Mm -hmm. well so anyway yeah i remember thinking like watching this week being like wow um, it's such a great, honest take of the world. So yeah, I my first takeaway was similar, and I'll play off of that, which is it's, it's warts and all, right? Yes. And I think that romantic comedies, in they do a disservice many times to sort of this understanding that this is how love looks. Yes. Um, totally. We all can agree that Rob is not a good person yes. in a lot of ways. In the way he reacts to things. He's very selfish. He's very self-centered. Yes. But I just think in real life, that's how it is. Relationships are messy. They're not good. They're back and forth. They're up and down. There are arguments. There are mistrusts. And there it's backstabbing and all this kind of stuff. Yes. And I think this was a warts and all take on it. And I really appreciate that about it. So I, I, I agree. Yep. Yep. Uh, second take? Um... I would think that for this movie, it's funny, like, thinking through, (laughs) yes, obviously it's told through his perspective. So, inherently, it will be a male-centric film. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) it was crazy watching it, seeing it really, like, from a, I think, a young age, as Rob tells these top five breakups, through high school and then college, of how... uh, 
you know, they talk about in movies, the male gaze, if you will. <laughs> like, how focused it was on women were such a means to an end mm-hmm. in this narrative. For good or bad. But to the point where when Laura and he work through their issues, it does feel like some level of growth. But it was a very odd feeling watching it, maybe through the lens now, relative to when I had 20 years ago of mm-hmm. feeling like in college of like, yeah, all this angst and all this stuff working through it. Now it's like, oh, God, it's so heavy on mm-hmm. like chauvinistic mm-hmm. and feeling like, you are just a jerk. So mm-hmm. that was, like I said before, but it, it was interesting to see how male centric hmm. it was in the perspective. So I thought my second take, I, I just really found interesting was that Rob talks about leaving his record store to work at a Virgin Records mega store. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that 20 years later, the music mega store is dead and independent record stores are still around. And somehow vinyl is still back. Yep. Not not often can you look back on a movie 20 years and have everything be sort of socially the same. And, and things sure. aren't in this either. But it is sort of interesting that if you would have guessed 20 years ago which would be around the yeah. music megastore or the record store, you'd be like, the megastore? Yeah. Duh. Give me Sam Goody and Virgin Records and that yes. kind of stuff. And I loved that they, they brought it up because that existed at the time. Yes. And I, I just... I don't know. It's, it really stood out to that, you know, now there's dozens of record stores here in town here, which means there's hundreds and thousands of them around the country that are just record stores. And yet, tell me a music store. Yeah. What do they call it? Record store day in mm-hmm. the area? Be like, yeah. It's a great release. Yep. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Hot take. Hot shot part one and part deux. Do you want to do hot shot or do you want me to go first? Uh, I'll let you go first. Sure. I don't really have much of one in a sense. Sure. But I will say that I would think there aren't many examples of this, but this is the best example. And I mean, it's number one by a long shot of a movie breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Where not only do you, does Rob talk to the camera, which is generally frowned upon, yep. you become a, a sort of a central character in this movie and a part of the conversation. It's very unique. And I would say that this is the best at doing that. I'm going to piggyback on that. My hot take was, yes, I think um, having that almost like conspiratorial aspect to, as an audience member, I'm so in tune with what he's saying. Uh, he's breaking the fourth wall. It's it's not a like voiceover where we're having this thing. It's, mm-hmm. oh, I'm in the conversation. No one else is. It's you and me experiencing this i would say the only one that comes close to it through this and in many ways i would say surpasses it or at least offers the female perspective is the tv show fleabag Mm. uh fleabag is a incredible show on amazon i would say it's two seasons but really it's one narrative kind of cut in half so just watch the entire thing and it is one that has a similar aspect of in many ways, an unredeeming protagonist. Uh, terrible in so many ways. Flawed, working through these issues. But having these asides to the audience that are just her way of connecting with the viewer that I didn't fully appreciate, obviously seeing it then, but mm-hmm. watching it now, I'm feeling like these are the same, or different sides of the same coin. Uh, so good in terms of having a similar type of breaking the fourth wall 
uh, aspect. So yeah, I would say mm. that was my hot take of watching. Been like, I remember watching this a couple years ago. Being like, oh, now it's connected to me. The two of them, high fidelity, flea bag, pizza pod. All right. So our last part of high fidelity on this, our fifth sort of top five. We're gonna do our quiz show. Where I'm gonna limit Tim to one on this. I only have this one. Be only one. A rare occurrence. Um, <laughs> mine's gonna be. You're gonna hate mine, so you can go first. Uh, in addition to his illustrious acting career. Jack Black, which was kind of a breakout performance in this movie as Barry, the annoying, lovable Love Barry. <laughs> co-worker. Uh, he's well known for being in a band he has with a fellow actor. And many would say that the, they were signed to a record deal largely following the recognition of Black's breakout performance in High Fidelity. Two things. What is the name of the band that he's in? And extra points if you can name the other member of the band. Ask me the other actress. Tenacious D. Tenacious D. I can't think of the other actor. Kyle Glass. Yeah, Kyle. Yeah. JB and KG. Wow, oh, man. <laughs> you're just going to love this. You're, you're, you're going to hate this. I just love it. You're going to hate this, actually. That's why I love it. So this movie is about music, and there are Bruce Springsteen's in it. You know, they talk about Dylan. They talk about all these other musical artists. Oh, God. Um, how many musical artists are mentioned in this movie? Oh, man. Uh... I'm going to say five for top five. <laughs> you know it's more than five. I'm sure it is. I know it is. Uh, oh, gosh. They have so many conversations in the That's store. That's what I'm saying. Uh, 23. Yeah. 66. Oh, my God. Insane. <laughs> what? Yeah. And apparently quite a lot of them are a part of the book. Like They, they do wow. a really good job of bringing it in. But they do such a good job of talking about music that <laughs> there's so, so many people. I'm like. I have no idea who this is. Yes. Oh gosh. There's somebody like, yeah. what the hell are you talking about? I who? to the point where you're like, I think you're making I think you're making this band up. <laughs> yeah, so that's our, our brief sort of ish uh look at high fidelity. Uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. We could yes. we could probably talk for a long time on this. Yeah. It is an enjoyable movie. Um Jack Black in his so early good. days, John Cusack, quite frankly, at his prime. He yes. is so good in this movie. This has been a 20 years, four beers, 20 slash four mini podcast. My name is Steve. I'm Tim. And thanks for listening. Thanks.